0: Our scripture passage this morning is Genesis 12, verses 1 to 9. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. The prophet Isaiah declares that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we see in both real life and entertainment that there are certain events that happen that are crucial to the outcome of a story. Things that an entire story really hinges on. So, for example, in fiction, in Star Wars, Really, everything hinges on Luke choosing to go with Obi-Wan Kenobi on the Millennium Falcon and leave his home planet. Because from there, that sets off a series of events leading to the freedom of an entire galaxy. In real life, in the signing of the Declaration of Independence, that event set in motion a series of events that led to the nation we have today. And these kind of events, or hinge events, as I like to call them, are true of the Bible as well. What we see in Genesis 12 is an event that sets in motion the rest of God's plan for history. Now, over the past few weeks, we've seen from Genesis 1 through 11 that humanity has a problem. God created the world good with humanity made in his image and likeness. But we sought to discover good apart from God and chose to rebel against him. The problem is there is no good apart from God. And so what we found was that we were now living in a broken world. We had become estranged from our creator. And as the events of Genesis three through 11 play out, we see sin corrupt the hearts of every human being in a downward spiral leading to all sorts of disorder, hatred and violence. Humanity once dwelled as the people of God in the place of God, in the presence of God. But by Genesis 11, humanity barely even knows who God is or what he's like. And so it's clear that left to our own devices, we cannot fix this issue of our estrangement from God. If we are going to be brought back into fellowship with him, God is going to be the one who has to take the initiative. And that's exactly what he does. So in our passage this morning, God calls Abram. And we learn actually from Joshua 24 four two that Abram comes from a family that worships many gods and probably doesn't even worship the Lord. And so it's likely that before this conversation, Abram doesn't even know the Lord. And yet still God speaks to him. And he calls him on a journey that's going to change the course of history. Abram will learn who the Lord is. And through him, God is going to launch his rescue plan for humanity. And so he says to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. That, that's a big ask. I mean, think about it. Leave your home, your family, and all you know behind and head for a place that God is gonna show you, but he hasn't shown you yet. To bring it to the modern day, Old Testament scholar Sandra Richter says this, "'Leave your house, your job, your friends, your church, your relatives. Abandon your inheritance, a 401k that will not transfer, and maybe even the equity in your home, and go somewhere where you don't speak the language. You have no business contacts, friends, or relatives, and trust God to make a new place for you. This was a very tall order indeed. But this call was not without its blessings. In fact, should Abram obey, the blessings are abundant not only to him, but to all the nations of the earth. God promises that he will bless Abram. And he really gives seven promises, and we're gonna unpack those seven promises really quickly. He says, I will make of you a great nation. Now, in order to become a great nation at that time, it was meant you had to have descendants, and lots of descendants that would then have a specific land that they belonged to. And that was what God is promising. And God says, I will bless you, and he'll bestow blessing upon Abram, and I will make you great. That Abram is going to have fame and renown. He's going to have a good reputation. So that you will be a blessing. And here's the thing, God's blessing of Abram doesn't just apply to Abram. It's not really just about him. God blesses Abram so that he will be a blessing to others. And God says, I will bless those who bless you. Those who bless Abram, God will reward. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. Those who dishonor Abram, God will punish. He will call them to account. And what God is doing is he's promising divine protection for Abram. And the last promise is the climax of these promises. God says, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Through Abram, Through Abram's descendants, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. What God will do for Abram will result in blessing for the families, for the nations of all the earth. Those are some huge promises. Promises that reach far beyond Abram in his lifetime. But we've got some problems here. First off, like I said, to become a great nation, you have to have kids and grandchildren and so on and so forth. Currently, Abram has zero kids, and the deck is stacked against him. In chapter 1130, we learn that his wife Sarai cannot have children, and they're not exactly young. Abram is 75, Sarai is 65, so even if she could have children, she's not having a child at 65 at at least we think, because no one has a child at that age. And so if we were Abram, we might wonder, how on earth is God going to pull this one off? These promises that God makes require Abram to trust the Lord. He has to trust that God will bring him to the land he hasn't shown him yet. He has to trust God is able to do what he promises. And he has to trust despite the seeming impossibility of it all, based on the one who made those promises. But isn't that what faith really is? You know, sometimes faith is kind of this big, obscure, out-there word that we don't really quite know how to define. But really, the entirety of faith comes down to trust. Trust. Do we trust God? Do we trust in God? Do we trust the word he has spoken? Do we trust he is able to do what he promises to do? All of faith is trust. And what we see here is that Abram does trust God. He obeys, he picks up, and he leaves with his wife, his nephew, and their stuff, and their their servants. And he leaves the rest behind. And as Abram travels through Canaan, he worships the Lord who made these promises. In fact, God appears to him at Shechem. And that's where God says, Hey, to your offspring I will give this land. And Abram builds an altar there to worship him. And then he journeys on. And there he builds an altar to God. He calls upon God's name. And his journey continues. And it's a long journey. A journey fraught with difficulty, with questions. And as years come and go, we wonder if God's promise to Abram will ever come true. And yet as we follow this story through Genesis, to Exodus, and even all the way to Revelation, we see that, yes, God fulfills his promise to Abram. Sarah gives birth to Isaac, not when she's 65, not when she's 75, when she's in her 90s. I mean, you might, you might be able to believe, like, somehow naturally at 65, maybe someone could have a child. 90? No. There's just no way. And at this time, Abram's about 100. This is impossible. And so it's a promise that only God could fulfill. It's something only God could do. So they have Isaac. Isaac, who becomes the father of Jacob, who's the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And by the beginning of the book of Exodus, Abram's descendants have grown to become that great people group. But they're slaves in Egypt with no land of their own. Yet God, in fulfilling his promise to Abram, rescues them out of slavery and calls them to be his. He makes them a people who, like Abram, who was later changed, his name was changed to Abraham, will live in relationship with God. That's that's the key. And he gives them the land of Canaan he promised he would give them. And there he dwells with them through the tabernacle and later the temple. And so long as they remain obedient to the Lord in his ways, they will prosper in the land. But should they turn away from the Lord, the Lord assures them that they will lose the land and be carried into exile. And as we see through the Old and even the New Testament, as the years go by, Israel is not faithful to the Lord. Israel is not faithful faithful to what they have promised toward the Lord. And yet, God is faithful to his promise to Abraham. The entirety of the rest of the Bible really hinges on Genesis 12, because the event not only leads to the creation of the people of Israel, whom God works through, but to the arrival of the one who will fix our estrangement from God to the one who will save humanity from our sin problem. You see, Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. He fulfills that last climactic promise, and in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Jesus comes into the world as a descendant of Abraham, as a member of the Jewish people. And while Israel failed to obey God's laws, Jesus obeys perfectly. His death and resurrection reconcile all who believe in him to God. He fixes the sin problem so that we can be near to God again. And so that, at his return, we will once more dwell with God in paradise and in Eden restored. And so it's through Jesus, this descendant of Abraham, That people from every tribe and nation and language are blessed by trusting in him. Because people of every ethnicity find God's blessing of salvation through Christ, the descendant of Abraham. And what's really cool is that the promises made to Abraham include you and me. All who trust in Jesus become Abraham's spiritual descendants. Through faith in Christ, both believing Jews and non-Jews are joined as one people of God. When God told Abraham his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, that included you and me. Because it's not the biological descendants that are the people of God. But those who walk in faith toward the Lord, like Abram, those who trust in the one the Lord has sent, Jesus Christ. Galatians 3 27 tells us this For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring airs according to the promise and so the promise of blessing the whole world was fulfilled in Jesus and it's still being fulfilled today every time someone comes to faith in Christ and God is indeed able to keep his promises because through his promise to Abraham we find salvation in Jesus so how do we respond I'd say we respond first and foremost by thanking the Lord. A promise made 4,000 years ago included us. God thought of us. He chose to save us so that we could know him. So that we would be made part of the kingdom of God through the death and resurrection of his son. How radically loved are you? How radically known by God are you? Trust in Jesus. He restores our broken relationship with our creator and makes us who we were meant to be. He gives us true identity, purpose, belonging, and lasting hope. And through him, we can once again be near to God at all times. Another way that we should respond is by following the Lord's voice. Old Testament scholar Bruce Waltke Says that the modern Christian's experience is not unlike Abraham's. Abraham hears God speak a call and a promise. The believer today opens Scripture and hears God's word. Christians are people of the ear, not of the eye. God does not appear to be seen, but speaks to be heard. God is always present in the words that bind. God speaks to us through the Scriptures. Will we heed what God calls us to in them? Will we trust and obey God even when it's difficult? And finally, let us heed the Lord's call. You know, there will be times in our lives where God calls us to do something we don't expect. Something that seems scary or difficult. Something that may even uproot a part of our lives, like with Abram. But it's worth doing because of the one who calls us to do it. He is worth trusting. And so whether that call is teaching Sunday school or serving a family in need, showing love to someone that you can't stand, becoming a missionary, or giving up something that God has said has become an idol in your life, he is worth trusting and his ways are always better. It was worth it for Abram to trust the Lord. It is worth it for us, too. And so, friends, in all these things, we trust that the Lord is with us and will guide us and lead us through the twists and turns as he was with Abraham. Let us pray. Lord, this 4,000-year-old promise that you made is still being fulfilled today. We thank you that you keep your promises, that you are a God who promises and delivers, who has a plan that is more beautiful than anything we could have thought of, to save us by the death and resurrection of your own son. We thank you for all that you have done. Help us to live according to your ways. Draw us near to you each day. In Jesus' name, amen.